Welcome in to a Thursday edition of the Back and Forth Podcast. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. You've, as a reminder, make sure you guys are following the show on Twitter, at BackForthPod. Instagram is at BackForthPodcast. And, of course, you can find the Back and Forth Podcast wherever you subscribe to your audio podcast. Apple, Spotify, I think we're on Google. I mean, I, I looked the other day, I was like, wow, we're on, like, seven different platforms. It's pretty, pretty insane. Yeah, um, we started off on SoundCloud, recording in uh, the kitchen of Joey Gagos' house and then the kitchen of my brother's house. So to now have equipment and be on all these different platforms is is, is still pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. But we do have uh, more NBA free agency news. A lot transpired, actually, since our last episode, as crazy as that is to say. I mean, our last episode was yesterday. Yeah, and 24 hours ago. And- there's still been a lot of news that has happened since then. Um, let's get right into it, not waste a whole lot of time. We will also address a um, little beef going on in college football that I think could be interesting to watch later on in the year, for sure. Yeah, got to throw a little bit of football in. Yeah. Uh, it's been very basketball-heavy lately, and it will continue to be a little bit basketball-heavy uh, with frequency coming up and all that. But uh, once that wraps up, we'll, it's going to be football season, and you know, in the near future you're going to get – a little bit of a NFL season preview for me and Matt. So. Yes, I, I will say that football content is on the way in the very near future from us. Season previews, all all that, all all that information rather to get you ready for the upcoming season. You'll essentially be basketball free until October. Yes, unless something insane happens. So, but then we get into the good time of the year where you have basketball and football. Like right. It just and then content just flows um you'll get you'll get one or two more frenzy episodes and after that frenzy is pretty much done we're not gonna have a we're not gonna have an episode about like i was telling matt about patty mills going to the pistons or the blockbuster move like griffin going to the lakers or whatever i mean i think i think if you cared enough for that you would you would see it on your own on twitter i don't think we need to do a episode on that and it's pretty self-explanatory how minor those moves are anyway yeah for sure but let's get to a move that uh wasn't minor it was a a very notable move yesterday and that is the san antonio spurs sending Dejounte murray to the pistons atlanta hawks atlanta hawks that's right um i had the pistons for another player we'll get to that later um i think you had the pistons in your mind just because of uh <laughs> me my uh fake rumor that patty mills is going to the pistons that's right i i, I was like whoa uh but yes no Dejounte murray to the atlanta hawks uh, for Danilo Gallinari and I believe a first round pick, three or first three. Round oh, that's picks, right, three first and round then picks. a pick swap in 2026. So basically, for those who don't know what that is, a pick swap is um, Spurs have the right to it, and if Atlanta, if Atlanta's pick is higher in 2026, the Spurs will get the rights to it. So if Atlanta has the eighth pick, and the Spurs have the 22nd pick, they will swap those picks, and the Spurs will get uh, that eighth pick. So essentially four first rounders pretty much and uh Danilo Gallinari who will inevitably get bought out by the San Antonio Spurs yeah and now I mean looking at Atlanta's roster this was kind of mind-boggling until I I saw it yesterday they now have Trey Young DeJounte Murray DeAndre Hunter John Collins Clint Capella uh Bogdan Bogdanovich and Kevin Herter as his as their you know, pretty much main rotation and core. And John Collins is, uh, according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, um, John Collins could also be on the move in the near future. So I'm not mean, sure the... Could be a move to keep Collins in Atlanta, not I bringing th- in DeJounte Murray? Yeah, I, th- I think I think they still want to trade him to save a little bit of money. Um, Clint Capella is getting paid a decent amount. DeJounte Murray uh, getting paid a decent amount. I'm sure they're going to keep him long-term as well, so he's going to get a payday. Trey Young is due a payday soon. Um, so I think out of that core, they're probably going to pick to get rid of John Collins for whichever reason that may be. And even Kevin Herther is a, is a solid player. And DeAndre Hunter, they have a very good young core, um, the Atlanta Hawks. So I think um, unlike the Golden State Warriors, who are in a bigger market and owner has a lot more money, he's willing to pay guys like Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins and so on. Um, I'm not sure the Atlanta Hawks are willing to do that. And they may... F- also, it could just be a reason they may feel that it's time to move on from John Collins and get something else for him. So, um, But according to Woj and even uh, Shams, that uh, John Collins could also be on the move uh, for the Atlanta Hawks as well. Yeah, so looking at it, we've got the Hawks that currently have the six best odds to come out of the East. 
uh, behind the Celtics, the Bucks, the Nets, the Sixers, and the Heat. I put them over Philly for sure. Um, Brooklyn, TBD. We'll yeah. see how Brooklyn plays and meshes next season. Um, but I, I like this move. Um, you know, I think the two-point guard system can work. I think we, we've talked about it so many times on this podcast that I think the NBA is going towards a direction where it's pretty much positionless. Even seeing the Golden State Warriors in the finals rolling out a lineup without a center. Um, Otto Porter, Draymond Green, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins was their starting five for three or four of the games in the, the NBA finals. And, I mean, they ended up winning that series. And even previous to that, um, they were in a starting five of Curry, Clay, Kevin Durant, Draymond, and Andre Godala back in 2017 and 18. So, um, and you saw how well it worked for them. So I think we're getting, not to say centers and whatever are getting useless now because, you know, teams have, each team has their own preference. But I think now you can get away with doing that. You know, five, ten years ago, it was you need a point guard. You need a shooting guard, you need a small forward, you need a power forward, you need a center. You need someone who is assigned directly to those positions. And now it's kind of like you can have two small forwards in the starting lineup and you can have two point guards in the starting lineup. So I like what Atlanta's doing. I think Murray and Trey Young will complement each other nicely. And also one of the biggest issues with Trey Young as a point guard was he's a great scorer, but he's a terrible defender. And I think now you address that why by bringing in Murray. Uh, Murray is one of the best defenders in the NBA. Um, and also, on top of that, he's a player who brings you 21 points and nine assists a game and made an all-star game last season. So now you bring in two all-stars on the Atlanta Hawks, and now you bring in a guard who can play defense. So rather than, I think their backup point guard was Rajon Rondo before they traded him last season. Rather than having to take out Trey Young on the last possession um, and put in Rondo, who is 34, 35 years old, now you can take out Young and keep Murray in, and Murray will be able to defend a a guard like um, if they're playing a, the Warriors, like a Stephen Curry or I'm trying to think in the East here, uh, a James Harden or something like that. You now have somebody who can, uh, you're confident at least that they can go out and defend that player um, versus Trey Young, who's a fantastic player, but he's just not a good defender. So I think they address that. And you even if you lose John Collins, you still have a good rim protector and defender in Clint Capella, and you have a good defender in, DeAndre Hunter at the small four position. So um, I like the moves they're making. And I think, honestly, trading John Collins could be the right move for them. Where he goes and what they can get from him, I mean, that, you can do a whole other episode on that. And that's not something I've really prepared myself for today <laughs> to get into the whole possibilities of where John Collins could go. But, you know, you can get a decent haul for John Collins. And I don't think they're going to be looking for draft picks here. I think they're going to be looking for players like a, um, not to say he's going to the Clippers, but players like a Marcus Morris and another solid guy off the bench. I think that's what they're going to be looking for here uh, in a John Collins, or at least personally that's what I'd be looking for. Build up your veteran presence a little bit and also guys uh, who can score the ball comfortably and somebody who you know is not going to be doing a major payday because they're in their late 20s, 30s, and they've kind of accepted the role they're in like what a Marcus Morris is right now. So I think that's the players they should be targeting, and I think they will target. But I like this trade for Atlanta. And as for the Spurs, I don't think it's a bad move for the Spurs either. You can four first-round picks, and I think they're going to be taking the Oklahoma City route. They have good young players still, and Keldon Johnson, who's only 22 years old, coming off a season where he averaged 17 points a game and uh, also was on Team USA. He's a gold medalist. Um, and Josh Primo, I believe, uh, who was their first-round draft pick last year, he will now be the hand of the reins over as the starting point guard of the Spurs. And he his season wasn't crazy last year. He didn't get crazy playing time, but I think he got 6-3 and three last year as a rookie. But... I like him a lot. I think he can develop into a solid player. So they got they got at least a solid core. They've got their two young guys. Um, you have assets now in draft picks. You have assets in certain players on the roster. Um, you have Josh Richardson on there. You have Romeo Linkford and so on and so on. And draft picks from the Celtics and Hornets and now the Hawks. Um, you know, they, they, they can make a lot of moves. And, you know, I think they'll be right up there with Oklahoma City. Uh, if in the near future a, a superstar becomes available – that fits their scheme and fits what they're trying to do, um, they'll be at the front of the line because they have the assets to go out and get that player. So I think that's what the Spurs are trying to do. Um, and they're also trying to take for that. I'm not even going to try saying his name. I know I said I was going to get better pronouncing names. But I also think a little bit is they're trying to tank for that French player who's supposed to go first next year. Um, I don't know if you've seen him. This guy is 7'1", 7'2", with like a 7'7 seven, seven wingspan. 
Um, he's everything Chet Holgram thinks he is pretty much. So, But better. Uh, yeah, but miles ahead of him. Um, I don't blame the Spurs for tanking for him either. I think the Spurs understood that the team they currently had assembled is a ninth, 10th seed at best, and they're going to just continue going down that same play-in route and getting eliminated. And I think now they, they see a chance where they can build around these two guys and, you know, obviously purposely lose next season and get one of the best prospects, I think, in the last decade um, in the NBA draft and start building around those three. And on top of that, you still have a bunch of assets after that to go out and get other players. So I like the direction the Spurs are taking. They got a lot of heat for that trade yesterday, but I think both teams honestly want it. The Hawks get a good defensive guard, which I think is what they needed, and the Spurs start now, you know, can start preparing for their future because they just weren't going, excuse me, they just weren't going anywhere with the current group they had in the West. Yeah, I mean, th- this move for the Spurs tells me that Pop is very close to retiring. Like, it could be this year. Um, he said he would come back this season. I don't know if it's anything past this season, though. Yeah, I agree. Even if they kept them, I think he was... Uh, like, it feels like they're trying to slowly disband this roster a little bit to get a lot of trade assets in return, to get a lot of young uh young players in return to kind of set the foundation for whoever comes in after Greg Popovich. Like that's kind of what this feels like where, I mean, a, a guy like Danilo Gallo or excuse me, uh, DeJounte Murray, like you don't usually see those types of guys, particularly franchise guys on the move all that much, particularly when you're getting Danilo Gallinari, who is at best now a role player and a lot of future draft picks. Like that, that's that kind of tells me, okay, Spurs could be punting on the season, or they're just, like you said, they're taking the Oklahoma City route. Um, in any case, I don't think Greg Popovich sticks around to see much of it. I mean, Greg has, he's had, you know, health problems. He's had um, a lot of personal issues go on with the, um, yeah, they've had a lot, he's had a lot of personal problems, um, you know, at, with his, I, I believe his wife passing away a couple of years ago. And um, so, I mean, it, it feels like it's catching up to Greg Popovich. And um, I, I think he wants to leave on somewhat decent terms. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think the moves that San Antonio's making is doing whoever comes in after Greg Popovich, I think a big favor. Like Pop could have easily just drove this roster and franchise kind of into the ground if he wanted to, um, not really cared what came after him, anything like that. But it feels like this franchise is kind of setting up for life after Greg Popovich um, and and making sure they have a long-term future. Now, when you look at the Atlanta Hawks, um, I, I think being the you know quote unquote valued as the sixth best team to come out of the east i think is actually kind of undervaluing this team like i i think you could make a legitimate argument for the atlanta hawks to be in the eastern conference final like i look at i I look at depending what they get for collins i absolutely agree with you like i i think you look at the landscape of the east yes you have Kyrie coming back at least for the moment unless a sign and trade or something like that happens but for the moment, we'll say that he's going to be back with the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets should be good, but we also said this last year about the Brooklyn Nets. They should be good, and they turned into a seven seed that got 4 0 by Boston in the first round. Speaking of Boston, if everybody comes back, this should be a pretty good team. I will say, though, I'm a little bit concerned about what's going on with Jalen Brown, there's now some murmurs going around that he doesn't want to be in Boston long term. That's, that's not. It's he liked a tweet that was by a Celtics fan that 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 is the biggest stretch. Jalen Brown has said thousands of times, unlike Kyrie, who I trust, that he wants to stay in Boston. Um, it does not make any sense for Jalen Brown to leave the Celtics. So I don't I don't believe any of that. I mean, anything could happen. But he signed he signed his four year, hundred twenty million dollar extension already. Um, he's not a free agent for the next two, three seasons. Um, and, you know, he's already made that commitment to next season. He and Tatum are continuously recruiting players to come to Boston. They're continuously um, recruiting Al Horford to return on a team-friendly deal. So I, I would I would bet money Jalen Brown does not leave Boston. And Jalen Brown is also extremely involved uh, within the community of Boston. So 
he's not he's not going anywhere. Um, yeah. No one, no one in that Celtics core, unless a complete disaster happens, they're not going anywhere. Brown and Tatum were both involved in that hiring process to get Ime Odoka. Um, he's not going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, right now it's just it's just ESPN and whatever trying to break up teams like that and, and do that whole Lakers or Knicks bullshit like they always do. So those guys aren't going anywhere. Yeah, right now if I graded it, it would probably be like maybe at most a five percent chance that Brown leaves. Like maybe I'd put it at one. I don't. I don't think I, like you. Yeah, it's probably closer to like three or two percent, but I'll round up and just say five percent. Just for ESPN's sake, I guess. Um. No matter where he goes, he's going to be, and it's not disrespectful because he's a great. But no matter where he goes, unless he goes to like, a, like the the Spurs, yeah, he's going to be the number two option. Um, so why would you, if that was quote unquote his issue, which it's not, why would he leave to just go be a number two option somewhere else? And on top of that, Celtics can give him the most money. He's made four conference finals here. He's made an NBA finals. So. Why would he take less money to go to a worse team to have the same role? Yeah. Well, it doesn't make any sense. Well, and on the contract he's on now, he, it, even if he wanted out, he would be a tougher piece to move around because he did sign a, it was a max deal, right? That he signed four well, years. Well, his would be a little bit easier because teams would actually want him. I mean, he is not on a terrible contract, unlike Westbrook and John Wall and other guys were. Like, right. people, if Jalen Brown demanded a trade, Celtics, um, Brad Stevenson's phone would be ringing up. But, yeah, I mean, he's not going anywhere. I, I will put money on that. Um, so we don't, want, we don't want to waste too much time talking about right. a situation that's not going to happen. But even, I, I can promise you Jalen Brown's not going to leave the Celtics. Even with the current state, though, of the Celtics, it feels like they probably need one more piece. Like something's missing from that roster. Um, maybe it's a Bradley Beal. Um I, I do think some depth at the guard spot would help Boston. Um, that's probably their one weak link is they have Marcus Smart. And then behind Marcus Smart, it's maybe Peyton Pritchard on a certain night. Maybe it's um, Derek White. I almost said Kobe White, but he <laughs> plays for the Bulls. Maybe it's Derek White. Like it, it kind of feels like that backup guard spot is a little bit of a rotating door between those two. Um, so maybe finding a, consist a consistent guard to put in behind Smart might be what Boston needs to kind of fill it all out. Um, obviously, you might think about possibly even shopping a guy like Daniel Tice. I don't know how much value he brings to the roster. I'd give him away for free. <laughs> Joey's like, I would pay somebody to take Daniel I'd, Tice. I'd give up three first-rounders <laughs> just for someone to take Tice. Um, but in any case, I do think Boston, they're to get back to where they were this year, it feels like they're going to need another piece. Um, you know, a lot of people make the argument. And I think it's a pretty good argument. They don't know if they get past Milwaukee if Chris Middleton's healthy. Like it feels like if Chris Middleton was healthy in that series, that Milwaukee takes out Boston, which I I could see. Like I could see that argument. Um, it feels like right now the Bucks are the, are the team to beat in the East. Like especially if they're healthy, you have Giannis and Middleton. Um, that is a Drew Holiday. Yeah, if they can get Bobby Porter to resign, I don't people. You know, underestimate Bobby Portis's value to the Bucks too. So um, they have a big offseason as well, and I think that's what the Celtics got to keep in the back of their mind. Even though they made the finals, there's always there's always room for improvement. Right. And then like Marcus Smart coming on saying, like, you know, we were two games short. We have the perfect team. Like, you know, you, you can always get better, and um, you know, you don't know for sure if you're going to get back there. Like I've said, so if, if there's an opportunity where it increases your chances to get back there, you know, the the Celtics. Or, you know, it's a no-brainer to go out and do it. And I trust Brad Stevens to make those right decisions. I think the Eastern Conference will be very fun and very entertaining to watch next season, especially with this move of uh, DeJounte Murray going to the Hawks. I feel like the NBA um, has gotten a lot more competitive over the past two seasons since we've kind of seen the um, removal, I guess, of super teams. You know, the, the, the Warriors kind of... You know, they're a good team, but I don't know if they're on the super team level of Kevin Durant and DeMarcus Cousins and Andre Godala still fairly in his prime. So um, you're just seeing a lot of dynamic duos now with good role pieces. And you have the Lakers who think they have a big three, but, you know, um, so you're, you're, you're seeing more of competitiveness in the NBA. And like I've said, in the last three years, it's been different finals matches up, uh, different finals matchups, which I think is really good for the NBA. 
Lakers and Heat, Bucks and Suns, Celtics and Warriors. And I think next year it, that path could honestly continue. It could be a completely different matchup next season. So I think it's good for the NBA to have, you know, five plus or even close to 10 teams that could all make a case for a championship. Because I think the Nets can make a case for a championship still. The Sixers could make a case for it. The Celtics could make a case. The Bucks can make a case. The Hawks, depending on what they get for Collins, could make a case. But the Heat, they definitely make a case for the Eastern Finals. The Heat, that's six teams right there. And the East, and then you look at the West. Um, depending on what happens with Dallas, Dallas could make a case for it. The Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Clippers, um, missing another team in there. It's not the Lakers. I promise you that. It's. Um, there's another team in the West that could definitely make a case. Or the Suns, you know, even the Suns, depending on what happens with Aiton, like they still have, you know, a Hall of Fame point guard and, and Devin Booker. Like mm. they were they were just in the finals a couple of years ago and they were still the one seed in the um, the West last season. So they can make a case for it. So you have a lot of teams that could honestly make that push for the finals. And I think that's good for the NBA. Yeah. And I, I think the Nets, or rather the Hawks playing in the Eastern Conference, I. I said it when the move happened yesterday that I feel like Atlanta is going to be undervalued this year. And I I think that's pretty true. Like I think it all year, I mean, whether you, you know, you follow the the sports betting aspect or not, or even just the media attention, I think not a lot of people are going to be talking about the Hawks because they're going to be consumed with the big dogs of the East. They're going to be consumed with Brooklyn and, you know, Boston and Philly and all that. The Hawks are going to feel like they kind of just go by the wayside and they could, quietly make a lot of noise i think for sure uh but let's shift gears a little bit to the west um or east, at least east still in the east are we still are we still in the east with we're talking uh, about bridges yeah oh yeah miles miles bridges i mean oh man talk about really bad timing like miles bridges set to be a free agent in a matter of hours it feels like now uh, 24 hours and you know People talk about how he's losing out on a bag, which he is. But, you know, first and foremost, we want to make sure that that girl is okay. I know she did need medical attention, uh, excuse me, metal, medical attention. And uh, he did flee the scene. So, obviously, um, hope she's okay. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunate situation. Uh, Bridges is a uh, fantastic player. Um, and he, you know, did a absolutely horrible thing last night or whenever it happened. I don't know if it was last because he turned himself in. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was last night or the night before that or earlier this week. But, um, yeah, he, he did he did screw himself over here. And it was, it was, it was his own fault. Uh, you know, he was entering free agency. Um, he was going to get, if it wasn't going to be from Charlotte, someone was going to give him that max contract, like Detroit. Or um, I feel like really Detroit was preparing for the possibility to offer him that contract. And uh, he would have been a really good fit there. But now... I don't, I don't know what his future holds. And, again, he can't really blame anyone else but himself. So, um, yeah, he made a, a really dumb decision um, and right before a free agency. And, again, you always hope that a woman's okay. Like I said, she didn't need medical attention and whatnot. So, but, yeah, uh, Miles Bridges pretty much screwed himself over as much as he possibly could. Yeah, Miles Bridges, uh, you know, for those that may not know, I believe arrested on domestic violence. is. Yep. Well, he turned, yeah, he turned himself in and then – his bail was 130k, and then I th- believe he bailed himself out. So yeah, I mean, um, yeah, 130k even for Miles Bridges is it's like okay, yeah, um, pocket change for him. Yeah, he's like, hold on, let me reach my back pocket real quick. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, like Joey said, I definitely hope the uh, the girl's okay. Um, you know, definitely don't like hearing stories about this. Um, and like I said, it's a really untimely thing that happened to Miles Bridges where, you know, his pro future was already kind of going to be on the line anyways, just going into free agency. That's naturally what happens. There's a little bit of uncertainty of where you're going to, you know, play the next few years of your career. And now... Well, at least he knew he was going to play them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It, it was more like he knew he's going to play, but it's just a matter of like moving cities possibly. And, you know, um, but all things were pointing upwards before this for Miles Bridges, you know, as far as getting a, a notable, um, you know, max contract. And now, I mean, team a team that signs Miles Bridges is going to have to understand, you know, maybe not to the extreme that Deshaun Watson was, but they have to still understand that they're going to be taking on somewhat of a liability now in Miles Bridges after this incident happened. Um, but in any case, I do think, 
I don't think this is going to be the end of Miles Bridges as far as being in the NBA. I think somebody's going to pick him up. Um, it might be, though, for less money. Like, this may have knocked his potential earnings down a little bit. Yeah. And also, the comparison to Watson, the NBA is much different than the NFL. Um, the NFL just seems to pick and choose who to hold accountable. Um, example, the whole Deshaun Watson thing. NFL recommended no longer than a year suspension from, which is nuts. Yes. Considering the 24 cases, like that's just insane. Right. Um, and then Calvin Ridley gambles. He's out a year. Josh uh, G- Gordon, right? Mm-hmm. Um, smokes, uh, smokes marijuana or, or uh, um, and he's suspended for two years. Like that, the, the logic behind NFL suspensions make no sense and who they choose and choose not to hold accountable. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I believe domestic violence as well, six games. Um, like it's just insane to me. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and, and then you you look at the NBA. I think he's regardless if wherever he goes, he's going to get suspended. I feel like mm-hmm. um, I feel like the NBA is much more strict on that, and they're a little bit more consistent with their suspensions, at least when it comes to topics like that. Um, I know the NBA is a little bit ridiculous with their suspensions with technical fouls and all that, but right. for the most part, when it comes to serious matters like that. They have been pretty consistent, at least under Adam Silver. Um, and it's rarely happened under Adam Silver, to give him credit. Like, we don't see most of these stories that we see happen happen in the NFL. Um, I honestly can't remember the last time an issue like this where a notable player uh, in the NBA had could be facing, like, a 20-game-plus suspension. Like, I don't I don't remember it, honestly, in recent memory. I'm sure if you reminded me, I'd remember. But at least that's how less it happens because um, I, I, I can't, honestly can't remember the last time. So... Um, but yeah, he's not going to get that max contract. Um, he's going to be getting a lot less than that now, and he's going to be due for suspension wherever he goes. Um, and we don't even know the. Still, I feel like how big of a deal it is in in terms of the the issue we got into. Um, you know, I feel like it's pretty serious if your bail is 130 grand. Yeah. So we still don't even know what kind of legal trouble he's in yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he. Like I said, I, he he screwed himself over, um, and which was un, you know unfortunate for for himself because he had a really good season, averaging twenty seven and four, um, and was really looking like to be a promising player. Um, and he has all the talent in the world, but he made a a a pretty stupid decision. Like I said, that he can only blame um, himself for. So yeah, he's not going to get that that contract, and you know he's I think going to be due for suspension. And also, like I said, we don't know the 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 legal the kind of legal trouble he's really in yet so um but yeah i think in terms of he he will get held accountable versus nfl players that don't get held accountable unless you gamble or 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 smoke a blunt and i mean you're done in the nfl for that but if you if you beat up somebody or or whatever then it's like ah well i mean right i guess two games should do the trick so it's pretty rigged or tom brady like even tom brady like the deflated footballs out six games you know, Deshaun Watson's not going to get a game. Like that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense at all to me. So, I don't know how Roger Goodell or whoever comes up with these suspension times for these players, um, but it makes no sense. And I think Josh Gordon may be the most ridiculous one. Uh, two years for that, um, for for marijuana. Like that's that's insane. To yeah. not be able to to play football for two years for for marijuana, which is now legal in a lot of states like that doesn't make any sense and, I know, and the nba has loosened up on it um so the fact that i don't know if the nfl has yet the fact that the nfl hasn't it, it's kind of nuts yeah it is the the wonders of the nfl but one f- final move in the eastern conference I actually came across this morning detroit is buying out kemba walker and he will be set to become a free agent i thought of something the lakers may want to entertain it would require moving russ if they want another useless point guard then you go go ahead and do it um i mean if you move russ you are saving a bit of money because you're not going to be paying kemba walker what you're paying russell westbrook again i don't think it gets the lakers any better but it does save them a little bit of money for whatever it's worth um the biggest piece is going to in fact be moving russell westbrook i mean that is going to take maybe a couple teams it's going to take a lot of complex math i mean like russell westbrook is now making Forty-seven million dollars this year. I think at this point for the Lakers, like I've said, I don't think there's much they can do to 
make themselves championship contenders next season. And the whole Brian Windhorse, our favorite person, started talking about it again yesterday that <laughs> it's not off the table. Uh, Westbrook and draft compensation is going to go to Brooklyn for Kyrie. Like, if you still think that is going to happen, you know, please go see a doctor. I promise you that is not going to happen. No. Brooklyn would much rather lose Kyrie for nothing and trying to convince him to stay than trade him for Westbrook, who's also going to be a free agent and a 2026 draft pick. Like, do we not remember the breakup of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook? Right. Like, it was not a very pretty breakup. Like, you know, imagine that conversation from the Nets front office to Kevin Durant. Hey, Kevin, we're going to ship Kyrie to L.A., and in return, we're getting Russell Westbrook. And again, if they lose Kyrie... They're losing KD, yes. and it's the other way around. So for Brooklyn, unless they are getting an absolute haul for Kyrie Irving, which the Lakers cannot give them, again, the Lakers cannot do that because they do not have anything of value that they are willing to trade for the Nets to consider that. It is, makes much more sense for the Nets just to hold on to him and convince him to stay than trade him for a 2026 first-round draft pick. We've seen this happen with countless players. Toronto probably knew... Kawhi was going to leave. Boston probably knew Kyrie was going to leave. Yeah. But it made much more sense for them to try and convince those guys to stay than trade them for scraps, pretty much, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Like, you're not going to get a lot for an upcoming free agent. So it just makes much more sense to hold on to him and convince him to stay, which can't be that hard to do because he loves that area. He's from New York, and he's playing with his closest friend in the NBA. So if you can make that team contending, and if Ben Simmons can fit in well there, you can move Ben Simmons for something as value. The, the Nets have a pretty easy job right now making Kyrie feel at home because he wanted to go to Brooklyn. He wanted to play with Kevin Durant. So you have already given him everything he wants. So it cannot be that hard to convince him to stay, I feel like, um, which I feel like they're capable of doing. So it does not. he's not going to the Lakers. He is not going. I will come up here and admit I'm wrong if he goes to the Lakers, but he's, that is not happening. That dream is dead. The best chance it happens is free agency of next season because – Westbrook will be a free agent, and Kyrie Irving will be a free agent. It could happen then. I will say that. It could happen next offseason. But this upcoming season, do not expect Kyrie Irving to go to the Lakers. And also, from the standpoint of the Lakers, if you feel like Kyrie's going to want to come there, why would you even want to trade anything if you're pretty confident he's going to come to your team the following offseason? You may want to move. I, I, I don't know if you trade for Kyrie this season. I do think, though, if there's an option you may think about moving off of Russ because... Well, yeah, but, like, if if you know, if you're... I mean, let, let's be honest. I'm sure LeBron and Kyrie talk. Yeah. If, if Kyrie's like, yeah, I'm, I want to go to the Lakers next season, why would you trade anything to go and get him when you know you can just sign him on a max contract the following offseason because you'll now have the cap space to do it? Yeah, and, I mean, honestly, I, I say moving Russ, they might have to go to a team like the Magic and be like, do you want Russell Westbrook? We're going to give you a pretty reasonable price for it. I, I don't think a lot of teams are going to want him, but um, going back to Kemba Walker, uh, Kemba is going to get a backup role somewhere. It may be the Lakers. That that, that might make sense for him. He'll be um, affordable. Yeah, he'll be on a, a very cheap contract, but I think Kemba is now he's at, the, he's at the Isaiah Thomas stage of his career. I feel like he just can't stay healthy. was a great player at one time, and I feel like he still has it in him, but you know, I, I don't. I don't think you're going to get back to cardiac Kemba where he was in Charlotte, and even his his first year in Boston. So, I'm not sure where his path will lead, but I feel like it's going to be a backup guard somewhere for it. I don't even know if a contending team, or not even a, like a championship contending team, but maybe a playoff team. Maybe he goes to um, Atlanta. Maybe no, nah, maybe a, maybe in Atlanta. Maybe that might make sense for him, but I I, I don't think Memphis. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe the, the the Lakers would be dumb enough to do that. Um, but I don't. See, again, he's just another name. He really doesn't fit the Lakers at all. Maybe a Utah. Maybe he goes to the Jazz. He's got a relationship with Danny Ainge. Um, Mavericks, maybe. Yeah, maybe Dallas if they lose Brunson and they can't get Dragic. Maybe they pick up Walker. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be teams like that. I don't. I don't see him. It'll be. It'll be a tough summer for Kemba, honestly, to find a, a right fit in the team that wants him. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, definitely a lot more to come from free agency. If it's anything like it was yesterday, we're probably going to be coming in tomorrow with even more news uh, regarding NBA free agency because it felt like every five minutes something else was happening. But 
let's let's shift gears for a little bit and uh, something that had started a few weeks ago, maybe maybe about a month ago, I guess, um, in college football, and we 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 may have a pretty new rivalry, and if it's not new, it's definitely been revitalized. The, the rivalry, and that is. Um, Texas A&M and uh, Alabama. So about a month ago, uh, Nick Saban had said something along the lines that um, Texas A&M was, you know, paying players and, you know, just not recruiting um, the way they probably should be. Uh, maybe bending and breaking a little bit of some NCAA rules, um, at least in, uh, implying that that could be the case for Texas A&M. Like Alabama has never done that. And that brought up Jimbo Fisher, who fired back with some similar comments to what Joey just said, like, oh, really? Do you want to see what Alabama has done in, you know, recent years? And and so, I mean, that, that was a pretty interesting set of comments just on its own, but it came out recently over the last couple of days or so that Texas A&M, there's a video of a recruiter um, showing, I, I think, recruits the uh, Texas A&M uh, stadium. I think it's Kyle Field. And he said, you know, the people behind these suites um, are going to be paying you a lot of money if you come here to play. From what I could gather, that's a pretty big no-no. Like, you can't bring up NIL stuff um, when it comes to recruiting, Um I, I think the NCAA, there, there's probably a rule or sanction against it. I think he said it like as a jab, kind of like just kind of trolling a little bit. Like, yeah, I think he knew he was getting recorded. I think he was just trying to play into the whole right. Nick Saban comment thing. So I think that's what he was trying to do. But obviously, the NCAA is going to punish you for just about everything. So. Yeah, I would imagine there's going to be some punishment coming down the line um, in some form or fashion. Uh, but looking at when these teams play, because I do know they play this year. And they are set to play each other October 8th in, uh, in Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa, uh, rather. Oh, boy. Will they shake hands after the game? That's the big That's the big question. They I, obviously will, I feel like, but... No, I don't think they do. Really? I think Saban ever... I remember... I know the NFL has happened a few times. Um, I I think... Old Detroit Lions coach. Yeah, Matt, it. Matt Campbell? Or no, not, he he was a defensive. I think he's the defensive coordinator with the Eagles now. Oh, um, he looks like Vince McMahon, kind of. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look at the clip. Maybe yeah. maybe it was like uh, Jim Caldwell or something like that. Yeah, I can't. The the previous Lions coach before, or it was or was like, it Matt it, Patricia? No, it wasn't that. Matt was Matt Patricia. It was oh. like eight years ago. I think. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. But um, anyway, yeah. Um, no, I don't think they do shake hands. I think these. I think Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban genuinely hate each other now. And personally, I, I think this game being in Tuscaloosa, we might see an Alabama beatdown. Um, I already, I was already pretty high on Alabama coming into this season because it feels like when Alabama comes short of winning the championship or just ha doesn't have a season where they do win a championship. Um, they had a, a pretty down year a couple of years ago. I think they were like nine and three, came back and had a really solid year the next year. Now being in the national championship game against Georgia, falling a little bit short, it feels like the year that they don't win a championship, that following year, they come back really strong. And I, I feel like this could be a year that Bama just throttles everybody. Um, and, you know, we're talking about Alabama winning games by three touchdowns, four touchdowns, five touchdowns, et cetera. I don't know that if Bama is up, you know, 56 to 35 on Texas A&M with five minutes to go in the game that Nick Saban still doesn't try to score um, to send a little bit of a message. And, I mean, to Jimbo Fisher's credit, he's the only Nick Saban assistant to beat Nick Saban. Uh, he did so last year. Um, handed Alabama their first loss of the season in Texas A&M. Um, man, I, th this is going to be a fun game. I can I can say that much. This is going to be a fun game. There's going to be a lot of antics, I think, going on. Um, I mean, the fact that we have these two making comments in June and July before we even get to college football season – I think is only going to make for a really entertaining game on October 8th. I mean, we could be talking about 
this rivalry getting to the magnitude that like a Michigan Ohio State rivalry is at? Yeah, I think um, it will be a great game regardless, even without the rivalry. Um, Texas A&M is a team that beat Alabama last season, I believe. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't, I don't know if about in terms of an Alabama beatdown. Um, I think most rivalry games, regardless of the team standings, um, teams usually play each other close. Um, it's kind of records are kind of thrown out the window at that point, and you've you've seen that a lot in recent history, especially with Texas A&M and Alabama. So. Uh, I think it'll be a, a great game, and I think it's good for college football. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of side with Texas A&M a little bit here. Um, you know, out of all people, that's like Duke calling out, you know, someone else. Like, we, yeah. we everyone can sit here and, and, and agree that Duke's done it before. Right. You know, Alabama, just about every major program has done it before. Uh, they've, they've, they've paid somebody. Like, uh, I hate to break your heart, but some of your favorite college athletes have, have taken a bag uh, behind the scenes to, to go play somewhere. So... Um, which like really isn't that big of a deal. I mean, people make it seem like it's, you know, the, the, the most terrible crime committed. But I mean, when, you, when you're offering that kind of money to a college student, like you really, it's not even the college kid's fault. It is the more of the school's fault for breaking the rules, but you know, that's a discussion for another day. So yeah, I mean, to, to sit here and say, you know, Alabama is, is innocent and has never done that. Like, yeah, it's, you're full of shit, Nick Saban. Like yeah. we, we, we know. I mean, we, we, we know you've done it. And now in the, the age of NILs, um, I think he's just a little bit jealous that, you know, Texas A&M has probably stolen some recruits. And even you're seeing a lot of her, um, even coaches, a lot of coaches now are being a little bit better because um, a lot of a lot of athletes are choosing both in college, both in college basketball and college football are choosing to go to HBCUs. Well, you saw Nick Saban was vocal um, when I think it was. Uh, I can't think of the kid's name. I think it was his last name's Hunter, I believe. But he, when he he was like the number one corner in the country, he went to Jackson State. To yeah, he called out Dion. I was like, Ooh, I don't know about that one, Nick. Yeah, you're just being better because you're you're you you expect that guy to go play for you, and you know he wanted to go play for Dion Sanders at an HBCU, and you've seen it in college basketball too. Or you've seen a lot of coaches throw fit about them not going to these uh, Power Five schools and choosing to go play at HB, HBCUs instead, or even not even that in college basketball, them going to elect to play in the G League instead. You've seen a lot of coaches be bitter about that, which is, you know, stupid. You know, these are the same coaches that come out and say they're going to have these kids' backs and whatever, and then they they, they, they pull shit like that. So, um, yeah, in, in, in the last two years, Nick Saban has been a, a pretty sore loser, to be quite honest with you. And, you know, he he's a great coach, and he has a great history at Alabama, but and even coaching at LSU and even in the NFL – um, but yeah, he's, he's been a, a, a pretty, pretty pathetic sore loser these past two years when it comes to losing recruits and full NIL, um, stuff like, you know, if, if, if a company wants to pay a player to be in a commercial or whatever, like, why can't they accept that money? That makes no sense. Um, any other collegiate student, you know, if Matt was still at UNLV and Matt was walking around campus and Starbucks was like, Hey Matt, we want you to be in a commercial We'll pay you $500. You know, imagine UNLV told Matt, like, nope, you can't do that. We're protecting you. Like, that makes no sense. Right. Like, so they, they should be able to do that. And the fact that coaches are still throwing tantrums over that, you know, you know, go cry me a river. So, um, but yeah, Saban's Sa- been a pretty, pretty, pretty big sore loser. And I, I, I continue to, I honestly hope he continues losing recruits. I hope Deion Sanders and Jimbo Fisher especially continue to steal recruits from him because, um, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, these are the, the coaches that come out here and say they have all these guys' backs and whatever, and then they, like I said, they pull shit like that. Yeah, and, you know, not so much with Alabama and Texas A&M as far as the rivalry. I mean, I, I've said quite a bit on it, but, I mean, we're seeing a lot of these coaches that nobody was really talking about a few years ago. Now, all of a sudden, you know, rise to the forefront. Deion Sanders, like, I remember, I think it was a couple of, it was a couple months ago. Um, my dad had asked, like, hypothetically, if Nebraska cuts Frost, who do you want to come in? I said, if the boosters were smart, they would be on Deion Sanders' phone every single day. I don't think he leaves Jackson State. I don't think he does, but if you're the if you're Nebraska, you don't even look at the price tag. You just let Deion Sanders put in whatever he wants because he is turned into that type of recruiter, that he can bring in talent that is top in the country. And, I mean, he's bringing in top talent to a place like Jackson State. Like, top talent doesn't usually go to a places like J- Jackson State. 
but a guy like Deion Sanders has changed that culture. And, um, you know, guys of that caliber that have been known to recruit well and get guys to come to maybe some smaller programs and, you know, elevate their program. And so in, in the world of the NIL, um, I, I think you're right. I think a lot of coaches have a problem with it, but that's also because you look at what a lot of these coaches are making. They're, you know, the bigger ones, the, the well-known ones are making millions of dollars a year. It's okay for them to make it. Their athletes aren't. Yeah. Like, and before NIL, their athletes weren't making anything. I mean, they were getting a free scholarship, which if any old-timer is going to try and sit here and convince me that it costs the school X amount of dollar, no. It, it costs the school maybe pennies to give a kid a free education. Like, you're not losing money if you're the school, like by giving you giving a, a an athlete of a scholarship. That's going to bring in money for you because you're going to be selling so many tickets, and jerseys, and uh, yeah, being uh, on uh, prime time on TV. Like, let's yeah, let's like, I hate that argument too. Like, well, it costs us no, no, it doesn't. no, it does. It costs you nothing. Like, it costs the yeah. These these schools will these are the same schools that charge you seven hundred dollars for a textbook, and you use that book maybe twice. Yeah, and, and then they're I, just counting up. Well, and I think even it was like probably four or five years ago, they had a whole documentary and um, Arian Foster, when he was at Tennessee, he said, yeah, there were nights that we went to bed hungry because we were either out of the, um, you know, money allotted on our our food card for that day um, at the dining commons. um, And, you know, coach's hands were kind of tied. You know, this was all before NIL. I mean, these are Division One athletes we're talking about. There should be no excuse why they can't, well, now, I mean, make money off their own name, but even before, why they can't be, you know, properly taken care of, whether they need, you know, a little bit of extra food, um, maybe they need some clothing, you know, the basic necessities. Like, we're now talking about those not being met, like, before the NIL, and we're expecting them to go on the field on Saturdays and perform for three hours. Or we're talking about them going on a big national stage in March Madness and, you know, winning five or six games in a row to win the national championship. Like you're asking college athletes to put out a lot, especially at the division one level and um, represent your school to the highest level it can. Yet the school doesn't ultimately feel like they have those athletes back. And, you know, that's changing, but it's changing because of the NIL. Like I think the NIL has forced a lot of schools hands and, you know, I don't blame any college kid that, you know, gets an NIL deal because the fact of the matter is most college kids just don't walk around with a ton of money. Like, that's what it is. So you're right. Like, if a company like Starbucks hypothetically said, hey, we want to offer you 500 bucks for this commercial, I don't, I probably still be looking for a college kid that's going to say, nah, I'm okay. Like, yeah. most college kids are going to be like, yeah, but what? The yeah. idea before was the NCA was protecting you. Like, no, they're just they want no. they want to be the ones that make money off of you. Yeah, and, yourself, so. and the NCA has been making trillions of dollars. It feels like for decades. Right. Like, I mean, the NCA is fine. All of these big universities are perfectly fine. Just greed, essentially. And one final note before we get out of here, you showed me something a, a little bit earlier. The two California schools, USC and UCLA, planning to leave for the Big Ten. That makes no sense. Ooh. I feel like we're going to have to have a whole episode Man. about that. I think we'll get we'll dive into that tomorrow. Yeah, um, it's a little bit of a teaser for you guys. Yeah, a little bit of a teaser tomorrow. But one quick thing I did want to say before we actually did wrap up. Yeah. The most ridiculous thing to this day, I've talked about it before, that the NCAA has done. Kyle Guy could not receive money as a wedding gift. Right. That was the most so tell me, wait, hold ridiculous on. thing I've heard. So let's say Kyle Guy receives like really nice jewelry um, receives whatever the case may be. Maybe he receives gold or silver. You're saying that's okay, but you can't hand Kyle Guy a hundred dollar bill. Like that's where we're drawing the line. Again, why is it their business? It's a wedding gift from family and friends. You're gonna sit there. I don't think he ultimately got in trouble, but there was an issue for like. But like the fact that there was even an issue for that is pure insanity. Imagine your work. Like Matt works for the Aces right now. Correct. And imagine Matt, you know, getting gra- his graduation gift money or whatever. Yeah. And then Acer was like, you can't accept that. Right. I got to be like, okay, I quit then. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, you're going to tell me I can't, I can't accept this money or me with Fox, the same thing happened. Like, obviously those scenarios wouldn't happen, but like, that's just, that's just pure. That's like 
That is complete control. Like the NCAA acts like this doesn't happen. Like, come on, NCAA. Like, you've been to enough of these AAU tournaments to know what goes on behind closed doors. Like, yeah. there's a reason Nike and all these, you know, I call them bag guys, you know, guys with bags because they literally show up to these tournaments with checks and cash and they set up in hotel rooms and they have all these, you know, you know, prominent kids, whether it's the, the peach jam, the, you know, Nike 40, whatever the tournament is, they all go into the hotel room. They offer the kid cash. Nobody really speaks about it. And they walk out like that's what's been going on. But the NCAA just kind of for the longest time, particularly if it was a school that had paid their dues, quote unquote, to the NCAA, just kind of turned their nose and looked the other direction. Like, come on now. I mean, it might be right up there with the NFL as far as like the most ridiculous leagues um, that it exists because the NCAA just like, it, like similar to the NFL, like it feels like a lot of times they can't get out of their own way. Yeah. Uh, anyway, like we said, we will preview USC and UCLA potentially moving conferences uh, cross country. I mean, that's... Oof. Makes no sense, but <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be culture shock. We'll, we'll have we'll have a lot of fun with that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and do have a little bit of an announcement probably coming up soon for back and forth. I can say it's good for the show, and that nothing's going to happen to the show. We're still working out some of the finer details, though. Hopefully, to have that to you guys in the coming days. Uh, but until tomorrow's episode of back and forth, enjoy the rest of your day. I've been your host, Stat Matt, aka Matt Raftery. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host Joey G, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.